We uh, we finished up in uh, chapter five last week, and we'll we'll run across it again. The theme runs through the book of Proverbs in several places. But we talked about one of the two main enemies of the young man uh, as we finished up last week. And that's the strange woman. The other is the foolish man. The strange woman and the foolish man. Those are the two enemies of the young man in the book of Proverbs. In chapter 6 tonight, we're going to get into uh, a little bit uh, more uh, practical teaching here in the first several verses. And um, God is uh, is dealing with the, the, the subject of honesty and hard work. And, uh, and this, is, uh, this is good stuff for us. Uh, who would ever believe we live in a, in a day and time where you make more money sitting home than you do going to work? It's a shame, isn't it? And by the way, just because somebody lets you do something does not mean it's right to do it. My dad taught me this. And, uh, he said, told me, he said, let me tell you what to do with the credit card application. And I, I started getting credit card applications while I was in Bible college. He said, let me show you what to do. And he told me, I was in high school. He said, this is a credit card application. It's unopened. He said, this is what you do with it. And... Uh, and he took it like that. He tore it up, threw it in the trash. That's what you do with it. And you know what? Uh, I, I, that was good advice, and I followed it for a long time. And then one day I didn't. <laughs> and it took me several years to get back where I was before I was smarter than my dad. Amen? But um, uh, uh, but there's some practical advice in here. And just because you can, somebody lets you run up debts, doesn't that mean you ought to run up debts. Proverbs chapter number 6. Let's pray and we'll jump right into the study now. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for thy people coming here on Wednesday night. Some of them came straight from work tonight. And uh, some of them have uh, been running since early or this morning, getting kids to school, going back, uh, taking care of things at home and in town, and, uh, doctor's appointments, maybe dentist, and, and picking them up and getting them back and getting to soul winning and, and getting to the clubs. And it's been a busy day for a lot of God's people. And I just thank you, Lord, folks are here tonight. Now, Lord, we, we need your help. We need your help. The book, there's nothing wrong with the book. Lord, the truth is the truth. Uh, but, Lord, our minds, some folks here, their minds are tired. They've been making a lot of decisions today. And, and many of their bodies are weary. And some of their stomachs are already growling. They haven't had supper yet. Please, through the power of your spirit, teach us once more as we open up your book. And may we take these principles and apply them to our lives. Uh, Lord, of all ages, we need these truths. But I pray especially again tonight that our dear young people we love so much would take these to heart and live them out in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go, humble thyself, and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the, fl- of the fowler. Now, the word uh, surety here, uh, the closest word that we would use would be cosigner. 
Uh, the word in, the, in your King James Bible is also translated, mingled, mortgaged in the book of Nehemiah, intermeddle and engaged in a few other ways as well. But uh, it's getting tied up with somebody financially is what it amounts to. And the Bible said, If thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Let me say this first of all. uh, uh, The commitments we make, uh, we, we should not make commitments lightly. You know, sometimes we like to say, oh, yeah, I'll be glad to. And we have really no idea if we can or not. We get a little shot of dopamine in our brain, a little chemical release, because it felt good to say yes. And somebody said, oh, thank you. But we're like the guy in the New Testament said, oh, yeah, I'll go. And he didn't go. One said, I ain't going. And he came back, ah, okay, I'll go. And the second guy is the one that did the work of the Father. Uh, there's no kudos in heaven because you volunteered for everything, but then you didn't show up. And sometimes we give our words so quickly and thoughtlessly and carelessly. And, and the Bible says you must be, be careful of that. And uh, surety. So surety, basically, when you co-sign, young people, I'll teach something, and uh, maybe your parents taught you this already. But when you co-sign a loan, you get none of the benefits and all the responsibility. Somebody else borrows the money. Somebody else takes out what, the loan whatever for whatever they purchase. And then you co-sign it. And if they renege on their commitment, if they go back on their commitment and don't make the payment, guess who gets the call? You get the call as a cosigner. And you can explain just as nice as you can. Well, I was just doing them a favor. I'm not the one that has the car. They have the car. They say, sir, your, your name is on the document, and we're going to uh, tie up your bank account, and we're going to do whatever. Uh, so, so the Bible said uh, be, be careful with that. Uh, that that phrase, that phrase, Mr. Cooper, that phrase, if thou hast uh, stricken thy hand with a stranger, all right, uh, a handshake. That's why we that's why we say, let's shake on it. What does that mean? We're making a commitment, right? We're making some kind of a commitment. And by the way, this used to mean something in our nation, didn't it? Used to mean something. Now then, you 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 you. Uh, you buy, you're going to buy a house, you're going to sign a stack of paper about that thick right there. And that's not an exaggeration. Can I get a witness? <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, thank you. Um, it's sad, but a man's word is not trusted much anymore. Generally speaking, we're not even surprised when those in our nation with the most power Look right into the camera. And we're just, we're at home one. Rolling our eyes. I mean, we don't expect it of our leadership. And I tell you something, my dear friend, that rolls all the way down. And listen to me, you mamas and daddies that lie in front of your kids are doing much more harm than you realize. Well, that's no big deal. No, it's not of great consequence what you're lying about. But what you're doing to the character of your children is of great consequence. I don't know how many times, you know, bus work. 
Mama said, we're not home. <laughs> uh, tell Mama, I'm sorry, I didn't realize she wasn't home. <laughs> so uh, let's follow this for just a minute. Turn to uh, chapter 11 real quick. Keep your finger in 6. We'll, we'll come right back to it. Let's just look at it. This word surety is uh, throughout in the book of Proverbs. Verse 15, Proverbs eleven fifteen. He that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it. Yeah, well that's, we, that's a little word for pain. Boy, that smarts. That, we, that, that was uncomfortable. That hurt. Y'all remember that word, I'm sure. He that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it. And he that hateth suretyship is sure. <laughs> that guy's secure. So nah, I, I, I'm, I'm, no. Now, I'm not, let me say this, I'm not saying that you should never, never um, be suretyship for another person. Uh, that's the book of Philemon. That's what the apostle Paul did. You remember that? He wrote to Onesimus, and, excuse me, uh, wrote to Philemon, and Onesimus used to be a servant of Philemon, and Onesimus got in trouble, ran away, and Paul, he wound up in prison next to Paul. And Paul wanted him to Christ while he's in prison. He wanted his cellmate to Christ. So he wrote to Philemon. He said, now Philemon, he said, uh, Onesimus is saved now. Yeah, I know he did you wrong, but I'm talking to him. He's going to make it right. I know he owes you some things, but I want you to receive him. I want you to receive him as a brother in Christ. And whatever debts he has, I'll take care of that. And then it's so funny. We don't take him back. Then he goes, and he said this. He said, and I'm not going to say anything about the fact that you owe your life to me. (laughs) He actually wrote that. I'm not going to say anything. And, you know, I'm not going to bring up that you owe me everything. Anyway, so, but, so Paul had some discretion about doing it. He did it in that case to try to help a young believer grow. So uh, I'm not saying that it's never right to be. But when you strike your hand, okay, we just go back up here again. To strike your hand with a stranger means, look, there's a lot of nice folks. And I, I want to say this. I'm not being ugly. You don't know what goes on at somebody's house, which is why you should not send your kids overnight because you don't know. Oh, they're nice people. Now, folks, listen, I hate it, but we're so far past that in this day and time we're living in. We're so far beyond that. And you say, well, they're, they're nice folks. Yes, I'm sure they are. But honestly, you don't know. You don't know. And if honestly, you shake hands with a stranger, they say, well, you don't really know. You don't know their character. You don't know their uh, credit situation and so forth. And if honestly, you get yourself in, in trouble in a hurry. Uh, so he says this, verse 15, he that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it. Oh, hey, you'll learn. You go ahead. <laughs> You'll learn. Put your name. Here's essentially what you're doing uh, is you're putting your name in somebody else's hands, really, is what you're doing. And uh, you say, oh, I, yeah, I felt it. Yeah. Well, you'll learn. But you could just read the verse and learn from that. Um, <clears throat> uh, go to chapter 17. In chapter 17. And um, he says in verse number 18... A man void of understanding striketh hands and becometh surety in the presence of his friend. This one to me smells a little bit 
uh, of pride. Because it's somebody that he knows. It's like, oh, man, I got you. Yeah, I can just see him. Oh, I got you. No, no worries. <laughs> you know, maybe he's got a little bit of means or something. And I, I know I'm reading between the lines a little bit. But he, this guy doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. But it maybe he wanted to impress his friend. I don't know. This is a thought. Go to chapter 20. Go to chapter 20 and uh, verse 16. Now, this verse is quoted word for word in chapter 27 as well and verse 13. But word for word. Chapter 20, verse 16, take his garment that is surety for a stranger and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. Here's what he's saying. is if you're, going, <laughs> if you're in a business dealing like this, you better go ahead and get your clatter up front. <laughs> go ahead and impound the car ahead of time because you're going to have to. That's what he's saying. Go ahead and take his garment right away. And, uh, and, then, in, and then in chapter 22... Uh, go over there for a moment. Chapter 22, verse 26. <clears throat> 22, 26. Be not thou one of them that strike hands or of them that are sureties for debts. If thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away thy bed from under thee? And again, he just reiterates the risk that you put yourself at. So back to chapter number 6 here. Back to chapter number 6. He said, Thou art snared with uh, the words of thy mouth. You know, may, may I say this? We're, we're, we're careless. We're too careless with our word. We're too careless with our word. He said, you're still with the words of my mouth. What he's saying is keep your promise. Keep your promise. Now, I said this the night of the, of the uh, school um, orientation. And I said it soberly. I said it kindly, but I said it soberly. Don't sign that piece of paper, Mom and Dad, that you read that book in front of your kids and you know you didn't read the book. You just lied right in front of me. You taught them to lie. And then when you get in trouble, you come to the principal and say, well, I didn't know that. You wrote a paper that said you knew it. You wrote a paper that said you signed your name on the paper that said you read the book. And you said, well, I didn't know. It's no wonder your kids go off to Bible college and get in trouble. And they say, well, I didn't know the rules. They're doing what you did. They didn't read that handbook either. Somebody say amen. Yeah. We're careless with our name. We're flippant with our name. Uh, uh, when a man's, back when a man's word was his bond, a handshake was all that was needed. Now you've got to sign your life away to buy a toothbrush. <laughs> our word ought to mean something. That verse in Proverbs 15.4 talks about the man who sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He sweared to his own. A man makes a commitment. He says, oh, that didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Now it's going to hurt me. But he keeps his word. He keeps his word. Now, verse number three, he said this. Do this now. Now, when you find you've gotten yourself in a spot, here's what he says. Do this now. Don't delay. My son. Son, if you get yourself in a position and you, you realize that was foolish, I'm in a position now. And... Um, my son, and deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, there's a couple of different ways to read this verse. I'm not 100% settled on the primary application, but let me give you one that I think is true to the text. That's a good application. A friend, first of all, isn't careless about putting his name on something, but a true friend also will not let a friend mooch. 
Now, you might get another shot of endorphin because you let somebody go and slip by or whatever. And, but, but if you're a true friend, you hold someone accountable. I think that's a very practical application. And in other words, you hold his, hold his feet to, to the fire. Real love will teach honesty. And you don't love someone by allowing them to be lazy and shiftless and not keep their commitments. You say, well, I don't want to be the bad guy. Okay, be the good guy and be a true friend. If I came to this pulpit every week and said, well, I don't want to be the bad guy, make anybody, then we might as well just hang United Universal Church of God in Christ of all nations, prayer house, whatever. Anybody and everybody come and, you know, we're not going to make anybody mad. No, your, your, your goal is not to make somebody mad, but somebody's got to be loyal to truth and what's right and what's wrong. Amen. And listen, if you make a debt, if you make a debt, and then you get crossways with the creditor, you understand you have their money. You have their money. And for you, you, you don't pay your, make your payment and, it's not a sin to borrow money. Uh, 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 to, to borrow money, now it's foolish sometimes to borrow money, especially on something that depreciates. You buy something, you buy a vehicle, you don't have no money put on it, and you try to buy it brand new, and you're upside down in it for four years. That's not wise. But what is sinful, a loan is an agreement. I will take your money and use it, and I'll pay you. To use your money temporarily. Now for a house, you know, it might be 30 years or whatever, 20 years, whatever it is. A car, it might be four or five years. or I think they stretch them longer than that now. But anyway, uh, but you're, you're using someone else's money and you're paying them to use their money. So that's not sinful. It's not always wise, so that's a different issue. But it's not sinful and the concept's not sinful as long as you keep your agreement. In other words, if you say, I would like to take... $50,000 of your money, GM or whatever, and use it to buy this shiny vehicle here, and I will give you $500 a month on the 15th. Every month on the 15th, I'll give you $500, and, uh, and, uh, and I'll pay you back uh, $60,000. You gave me $50,000, I'll give you $60,000 back, and um, over a course of five years or whatever, and that will be your payment for letting me use your money. That's fine. But if you owe on the 15th and you don't pay on the 15th, on the 16th, you're a crook. Let me try that again. If you owe it on the 15th and you pay it on the 16th, you're one day you're a crook. Let's go back around again. If you pay, if you owe it on the 15th and don't pay it to the 16th, you're a crook. Now that's Bible. By the way, you'd believe that if you believed on the first day of the week, let every man lay by him and store as God hath prospered. But you do the same thing to God too. Right. You do the same thing to the Lord. We, we've got to get listen. We've got to get honest again. We've got to get honest. We're God's people. Just because the world's a bunch of liars and cheats and thieves, and everybody's doing it, doesn't mean it's right for us to do it. We've got to be honest. Read those passages again. You want to come to the Lord's presence? You come with clean hands and a clean heart. Upright, honest. Too many people borrow money. And when they can't pay it back, what do they do? They avoid the person they borrowed it from. 
He said, well, I want to help so-and-so. Now, you better think that through. Here's, listen, if you can't afford to give it, then as a good rule of thumb, you probably ought not loan it. And you think, you say, well, I, I know we're really in a tight spot, and, and I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to uh, teach hard-heartedness. Uh, this needs to be balanced with compassion. But I know people's in an emergency every other week. I've had people ask me, i got to have this amount. And say, tell you what, I'll buy you television for that much. What? That television is worth $800. Well, do you really need that 50 bucks? I really, really need it. Okay, I'll buy you TV for 50 bucks. We get sort of get needs and wants a little confused sometimes, don't we? So the sad, here's what he says in verse number three. He says, look, don't, don't, don't wait. As soon as you realize that this relationship is in danger, go right away, humble yourself, and make sure thy friend. Can I tell you something? Listen to me carefully. No amount of money is worth a friendship. No amount of money is worth a friendship. You know what some of you might need to do tonight? You might need to call someone this service over and say, you know what, I was just thinking, you've been such a good friend to me over the years. That 500 bucks you owe me, just forget it, man. I just want you to have it. Just, it's yours. It's a gift. Keep it. You might salvage the friendship. Now, that will probably help you the next time they come back with an emergency. You want $500? You might think, you know, I don't really have to give this time. And that, but uh, whatever, whatever amount of money it is, I'm just saying friendship's more valuable. Amen. And by the way, you're not a friend to somebody if you go make empty promises. You're not a friend. You do not listen. If you could really care, well, you know, I gotta have it. Oh, I gotta have this. I gotta have this. I promise you, I'll pay you back. And you don't. You don't know how you can pay back. You have no place to pay it back. You don't respect Kevin. You're just the best friend I got. I'm not trying to be unkind, but they, I, I could, you could tell by the you could tell by that voice inflection. I've even said this on the phone before. You're in the B's, we're Bailey's, B-A-I-L-E-Y-S. I'm not trying to say we should not have we should not help people. I'm not trying to say not have compassion. Uh, but can I just say that we're going to talk about, well, Bible's going to talk to us about, about laziness here in this passage. And that's a choice that you make. And the Bible says there's consequences for that. And um, let's keep reading. Verse number four, give not sleep to thine eyes nor slumber to thine eyelids. Don't put, don't, don't put this off. Don't lay down and go to sleep. You, I got to get this fixed. Don't go to bed. Get it fixed. That's what he's saying. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hunter. You run like the deer run when they hear the gun start banging. And as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Now we change gears a little bit here. Let me, let me say three things, by the way, about this matter of honesty. Number one, don't make debts you can't pay. 
Don't make debts you can't pay. If you don't know how you can pay that debt, don't make the debt. Don't make the debt. Number two, if you make it, pay it on time. And number three, if you can't pay it on time, don't change your phone number. <laughs> if you can't pay it on time, most everybody has been in that position somewhere along the line. Don't make a debt you know you can't pay. That means, well, I think we can handle it. i got to raise. You know, i got to raise for $50 a week, and this television only costs $49 a week, and so I believe we can afford it, Bethel. Uh, you haven't figured tax. You haven't figured late. You haven't, you haven't figured tithe on the extra. You're not, you're not. You're just like blind, and you throw a dart and hope it hits the bullseye. You've got to think that through and make sure you know I have the money to make this commitment, and if you it's wise, make the commitment. Don't make the commitment if you don't know you can make it. Second of all, if you do, pay it on time. Don't be a crook for even one day. And if you can't pay it, if some sometimes unforeseen circumstances such, you get in that position and you can't pay it, you don't wait for them to call you. You call them. Now, I understand our country's more and more institutionalized and the local bank concept has almost disappeared from off the map of our United States of America. I understand that. People used to know their butcher by name, used to know their bank. I, I understand that. But even if you talk to somebody in Utah on a 1-800 number, you could still show integrity and do the right thing and say, this is my position. And they say, well, we can't help you, sir. I just, yes, would you make a note on my account, please, that I called just to let you know I owe $182, but I can only pay $71. i am going to pay you $71, and, and I plan to pay the rest of that in the next three weeks, and I'm doing the very best I can. Would you make a note of that on my account? You know, you just might inspire somebody to answer the phone for a living. <laughs> it's just, we, we ought to be honest. We're God's people. Amen? We ought to be honest. By the way, there's some circumstances like that in the Old Testament. Folks redeemed their tithe. And just, I won't go into, well, there was times they redeemed their tithe. And, but they, they, they gave it later with a 20% interest. God set that up, and uh, and so so if you if you're supposed to pay it, you don't pay it. Well, you know whatever whatever happened happened, you pay it, and you add you add interest money to it. Amen. Well, I tell you, why don't you all plan to be one day late on your tithe next Sunday? And uh, I thought it was funny I, myself. All right. <clears throat> anyway, let's look at verse number six. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. Look at verse number 7. He says, Consider the ant. Uh, those ants, there's something, aren't they? Those fire ants especially are something, aren't they? they got to rebuild that thing in mercy in no time. But they're diligent little rascals. And uh, you watch them, they go at it, and they communicate well with each other, and they work, 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 work. The Bible says they don't have a, a guide or an overseer, yet they provide their meat. Uh, think about that. You know the ant doesn't need a boss. The ant doesn't need a boss. The ant doesn't need somebody to stand over them and watch over them. And you know God's people 
ought to work just as diligently and just as efficiently with nobody looking over your shoulder as though the boss was looking over your shoulder. All God's people said, amen. That's what, we want to have that kind of reputation. We ought to have that kind of good name, that we're a good worker, whether somebody's looking or not. And then he said, he said this, he said uh, that he lays up, he provides her meat in the summer and prepares for the future. And prepares for the future. And um, uh, and gathereth her food in the harvest. Now notice what it said. It says her meat. In other words, the ant works for her food. The ant works for her food. Now I know that's not popular anymore. And I remember some years ago looking at the Randolph County budget. And I, I, I didn't look long for it for some stats but I, <clears throat> but it went through my mind I'm not going to even try to quote it but I remember looking at a Randolph County budget probably 10 years ago thinking good night the huge percentage that went to social services now please folks uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not against compassion but again we have created a system in, first okay we've created a system that rewards illegitimacy he said, that's not politically correct. No, it's not. But uh, I'm not gravely concerned about that. I am concerned about speaking the truth in love. But we've created a system that does not hold dad accountable. You go in and have a child out of wedlock. And you say, well, the government's paying for it. Uh, if you work a job and pay taxes, stand to your feet. Stand up right now. Stand up. If you pay, if you work a job or did work a job, you get you pay taxes. Stand your feet. Okay. The government did not pay for your illegitimate child. The folks that are standing paid for it. Do you understand that? This is who paid for it. We paid for it. Now I'm not against. I'm not against that. Thank you. You may be seated. But you know what, uh, Dad, you ought to be held accountable. Dad, you ought to be held accountable. Here's what the Bible says. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. You might just write it in the column of your Bible there in Proverbs. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. This we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. If any would not work, neither should he eat. Did not say, if any cannot work, it said, if any would not work. Now, you put, listen, pray tell me how I can drive down Fayetteville Street and see 28 help wanted signs and you can't find a job? Seriously? The Bible says, if you won't work, you shouldn't eat. That is what the Bible says. You say, oh, that's so hard. First Timothy 5 8 says, If any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. If a man will not take care of his own, the Bible says he's he's worse than an unbeliever. He's worse than an infidel. Now you think about some of the people that God used in the Bible. He's murderers. Uh, he used uh, uh, Matthew was a crooked tax collector. Luke was a doctor. Rahab had a, a business of ill repute. 
Mary Magdalene was possessed with seven devils. John the Baptist was a poor man. Job was a rich man. Samuel was a young man. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Paul was a murderer. He was also physically handicapped. Moses couldn't speak well. God used all these people. But you search all the way through your Bible and you'll never find where God used a lazy man. He never used a lazy man. He used all kinds of people. He never used a lazy man. Now, young people, we, 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 we're a little bit of a conundrum for us. We love you. We want you to have things we didn't have. And sometimes we spoil you. But let me tell you something. Generosity, hard work, and gratitude can keep you, anybody, from being spoiled. Generosity, hard work, and gratitude can keep anybody from being spoiled. And you know what? He said, well, I don't, I, I, you might be filthy rich. I don't need the money. Work, 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 work. This is what the Bible said. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Exodus 29, Exodus 20, verse 11. In six days, the Lord made heaven and earth and rested the seventh day. Exodus 23, 12. Six days thou shalt do thy work. 31, 15. Six days may work be done. 31, 17. In six days, the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day rested and was refreshed. Exodus 34, 21. Six days thou shalt work. Exodus 35, 2. Six days shall work be done. Leviticus 23, 3. Six days shall work be done. Deuteronomy 5, 13. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. Psalm 128, 2. Eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be. Look, listen. 11 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, coming out of the house, pajamas, bedhead. They don't come out. (laughs) Pajamas, bedhead, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Let me read it for you again. Eat the labor of thine hands. Happy, happy, happy. Shalt thou be. Proverbs ten sixteen. The labor of the righteous tendeth to life. You ever heard anybody work all their life, retire, and die within six months? Raise your hand. The labor of the righteous tendeth to life. Proverbs fourteen twenty three. In all labor there is profit. Proverbs twenty one fifteen. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. Ecclesiastes 2.24, one of three times the Bible says this same thing, a little different words. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and enjoy and his, uh, that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. God made Adam, put him in the garden. The Bible said do two things, to dress it and to keep it, to be productive and to protect it. Man was made to work. And you will never have self-respect. You will never have, you will never have a sense of accomplishment or belonging or a sense of purpose if you spend your life trying to get one over on somebody, mooch over, uh, mooch off somebody. Work, work, it's in the Bible. We start with work in the Bible, and we'll be working in the millennium. Don't take offense at this, please.
Have you ever been to a pristine project housing complex? I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm trying to help God's people. Now, I have been to housing projects, many housing projects, and I've been on occasion to some that are as clean as my wife keeps our house. But by and large, many of you know, I'm not being ugly, I'm just speaking the truth. Many of them are filthy, dirty, nasty. Now, I have a question for you. If you can't get out of the house and work, why, pray tell me, you don't have the cleanest house in the whole city? The problem is much deeper. And I got news for you. Soap is cheap. It's cheap. You can get a bar of soap, you can do a lot of cleaning. You ever seen some of the pictures of the old-time black-and-white photos and you see these dear folk on front porches, a little shanty of a place, a little shack of a place with a broom sweeping the dirt sidewalk? Have you ever seen something like that? Dr. Bob Jones said you say cleanliness is next to godliness. And God is holy and God is clean. And God is very frank in His in His laws. I think I mentioned this recently. In His laws, uh, in Leviticus and so forth, He gives very specific instructions about personal hygiene, about cleanliness to His people. Let me tell you something. If 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 you are able bodied, He said, "I don't have a job." Okay. Why don't you clean up your neighborhood? Why don't you go clean? Why don't you first start with your house? Start with your house and work. You know, you get out in your neighborhood. I promise you this. You say, I don't have a job. You go out in your neighborhood and just make your neighborhood nicer. Just just start trimming branches and uh, picking up trash. And you know what will happen within a day or two? A guy with a truck full of equipment is going to pull up and say, Hey, man, do you need work? I need help. Jose's a great guy. He's a believer and uh, helps keep up some of the yards and stuff here and at my house. He's a good, good. He's a great guy. And I said, Jose, how you, you run all your trucks? He said, no, I'm down back down to one truck. I said, really? He said, he said preacher, I can't, I can't make any money. He said, I, I, all, all kind of accounts, plenty of work I can get. He said, but if something doesn't go right, they want me there to fix it. And he said, I can't get him. They stay a week. They stay four weeks. They stay six weeks. He said, I'm losing money by running more trucks. He said, so it's me and one or two guys back on my truck again. And let me tell you something. Old-fashioned work ethic. Be there. Be there on time. Do work eight hours. You know, just, we want to make sure you get a fair wage. How about somebody say, let's make sure the boss gets a, a fair day's work. From God's people. But we're losing that in our society. We got, we, we sat home too long. We sat home too long. 
I can't understand. While I'm at it, give me a thumbs up. We got a video. Okay, I'm, I got want to rant a little bit more. I can't understand why you could go into a restaurant. Okay, I know we had a pandemic. I'm not going to argue that point with you. What? Okay, we had a pandemic. Why does that mean the restaurant gets to be filthy dirty? Why when you walk in, there's this oddly stacked chairs that's been there for two years that has no purpose now? Okay, at one time it was keeping us all away from each other. But we, we, we're not doing that anymore now. But the chairs are still in the foyer of the restaurant. Why? Maybe because there's not enough help out. Well, I know. I, I, we're God's people. Amen. Let's have a good testimony. Let's be honest. Let's work hard. Let's do our best. And uh, he says, well, I, I don't have a job. We'll, t- we'll talk to me tonight. We'll get you a job before the week's out. He says, I'm not physically able to do something productive with your life. Amen. Get, get, a, get a phone book down. Start calling folks. Say, hey, I'm just taking prayer requests. I'm a Christian. I'd like to say, God bless you. We love you in the Lord. And if I take your prayer request, and if I can share the gospel with you, I will. There, there, there are things for God's people doing. We ought to be busy for the Lord. All right.